Joe, can you define controlled traffic farming? Controlled traffic farming is basically all about keeping soil compaction in a permanent place. Uh, really, all you're doing in controlled traffic farming is making sure you drive all your machinery in the same place all the time, right through the season and from one season to the next in an ideal situation. And whilst that sounds pretty simple, I guess the, the real key to it is having your machinery, what I like to call dimensionally inter- integrated, so that it's, you know, the, the heavy machines are the same track width and the working widths are some multiple of that so that everything matches together. What are the benefits and what are some of the challenges? Well, many on both sides, really. Many benefits. Soil compaction is a major issue in farming, particularly with modern machinery and large machinery, heavy machinery. So that has a lot of negative impacts on things like water storage, crop growth, um, infiltration of water, erosion. The list goes on and on as to what the negatives are. And so with controlled traffic farming, the idea is to isolate that compaction away from where you grow the crop. And, well, I'll split it into two zones. And that's the, the benefits that arise from isolating compaction away from where the crop grows and concentrating compaction where the machinery runs. So by isolating compaction, you get a whole bunch of benefits around better soil structure, better aeration, porosity, infiltration, water storage, root growth, nutrient use efficiency, water use efficiency, um, less root disease, better crop growth, better yield. That's a good list. That's a good list. And then on the compaction side, by isolating the compaction into wheel tracks, we get less rolling resistance on tyres, so less energy put into machinery moving, Um, lower draft for tillage implements in the area that's not compacted, so once again less energy. Timeliness, we can get onto the paddock earlier after rain. And all of that, I guess, adds up to what we see in many situations is smaller machinery, less machinery, faster working, and so the input costs to doing cultivation or, or whatever the operation is are reduced. And you've been doing science on this. Is the science all coming up good for CTF? Does oh, it agree? <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. I mean, if we look at the history of, of CTF, a lot of it dates back to the 1960s or thereabouts uh, when people started getting concerned about soil compaction, particularly in the United States. And CTF was really a research tool at that time. It was really only used to see what would happen if we grew crops in the absence of soil compaction. And that's, that was the sole interest, really, as a research tool. It wasn't until the late 1990s that CTF in the grain industry in Queensland started to take off. And certainly all of the commercial experience which is overwhelmingly in the grain industry, I have to say, not exclusively, but certainly overwhelmingly in the grain industry, Um, all of the commercial experience agrees entirely with the science, and even more so, to be honest, because oftentimes in a scientific research, you know, you tend to focus on a particular thing. It might be soil compaction or it might be yield or might be soil biology or whatever it is. But the farming system 
integrates all of that stuff. And so when farmers convert over to control traffic, they don't get too excited about what the improvement in the soil is because the compactions have been isolated or whether there are more, you know, whether the soil biology is better. They see the response in the whole farming system and and that's yeah, overwhelmingly positive. Hmm. So everyone's interested in cost. It's, it's very industry dependent. Mm-hmm. And given, given where we are, vegetable industry is obviously of, of great interest. For ease of conversation, I'll start with the grain industry. <laughs> In the grain industry, it's generally accepted that it might cost up to $40,000 or $50,000 to convert to controlled traffic if done in conjunction with a normal machinery replacement strategy. Mm, I was going to say that sounds inexpensive. It, it's extraordinarily inexpensive when you consider that most grain industry machinery suites these days are probably in the order of $1.5 or $2 million. Mm. It's very cheap. I have information from a colleague in the UK who's had farmers who've converted to controlled traffic at negative cost because they've been able to sell machinery they no longer need. And, and that's paid for any changes they make. However, I will have to say that the grain industry is by far the easiest to do it in. The vegetable industry, considerably more complicated, although it does depend on what you're doing. If, for example, you're growing crops which are all hand harvested um, on beds and that type of thing, then you know, you're probably almost there. Really what you're looking for there is a, is a change in mindset to say, well, we've got this bed and we've got these wheel tracks. Why rip them up when we finish the crop? Why not just keep them? And here in Tasmania, we see on the northwest coast at Harvest Moon exactly that sort of scenario where they've gone to a permanent bed set up very simple machinery operations, very few machinery operations, and have made you know very significant reductions in their capital input in terms of machinery and their operating costs. However, it took something to get there because you know, they wanted to change wheel tracks while they were doing it. So there was a big cost in changing tracks and changing equipments. So it is very situation dependent as to how much it will cost. There are other aspects of the vegetable industry where at the moment we just can't do controlled traffic, not in a full sense. Things like onion, potato harvest, carrot harvest, those machines are just not, they're not designed for controlled traffic and they're extraordinarily difficult to change. It's a little bit hypothetical to talk about cost in that case because we don't even know what it would cost to change. However, some people have taken the pathway of what we have come to call seasonal controlled traffic, wherein all of the operations that take place during the season, in terms of soil preparation and planting and so on and so forth, all happen on a controlled traffic basis. But when it comes to harvest, we say, look, it's just too hard. We'll just do what we always do. But with the use of guidance, after harvest, we can go back into exactly the same locations to drive. So in that situation, you know, cost is not huge. It, it may involve 
changing some tractor track widths, um, which is, you know, with most tractors these days, is within the bounds of what's the adjustability that's available on the tractor anyway. Um, it may involve changing some implements if, for example, you wanted to go, you know, from 1.6 metre to 2 metre and therefore you're going to go from um, a 4.8 metre implement to a 6 metre implement to do three passes at once. That sort of thing. Um, once again, it's clearly situational dependent. And John, how does a seasonal control traffic compare with a fully committed control traffic scenario? Is there 75% of the benefit or more or less? Yeah, that's a, a, it's very hard to put a percentage figure on. I wouldn't think it would be that high, mm. personally. Um, the seasonal control traffic thing came out of the Netherlands originally, which is where I first heard of it and first known of it being practised. And certainly in some work that was done there showed some yield improvements in some crops and some nutrient use efficiency improvements, but they tend to be slower gains because you're going in each year with the harvester, which is generally the heaviest machinery in the operation, causes the most soil damage, and then you're sort of trying to go back in and, and remediate that with fairly conventional tillage operations and all this. But, you know, the people who've done it say that they can they can see the benefits, um, but I'm, I'm not sure that anybody's gone too far at putting dollars and cents on it. And should every vegetable producer be considering controlled traffic, having a look at it? Do you think it's appropriate in, in most or all vegetable growing <clears throat> systems? I mean, controlled traffic is very much about sustaining our resource, mm -hmm. the soil resource. That's, there's a multitude of benefits I mentioned before that flow on from it, but fundamentally it comes down to managing that soil compaction and looking after the soil to grow better crops. So should every grower be doing it? Absolutely, yes. Is it an economic proposition for every grower? Probably, and I would say almost definitely not, particularly in the vegetable industry and particularly at the current stage of technology development. If it was grain industry, I would probably say, yes, go for it. Why not? You know, it's been proven to, to work. The, the means of getting there are well proven. Um, like, it's not like we've got to, got to design new machinery or, or make some great technological breakthrough to get controlled traffic happening in the grain industry. Um, in the vegetable industry, certainly there are some more hurdles. But as I said before, if, if all you were doing was growing um, hand-harvested crops, because it's harvest, it's the mechanised harvest is the complexity of controlled traffic in the vegetable industry. So if you're not into that space, you know, if you're doing, I don't know, fresh marked potatoes that you lift up with a lifter and maybe some leeks that are hand harvested or whatever it is, like if you're in that sort of production environment, why not? And so just to clarify with the harvesters, you couldn't just put their wheels on the two metre distance and they operate as normal? Or? For things like potato harvesters, carrot yeah. harvesters. Well, it's not, just a, it's not just the wheel track issue, it's the working width issue mm. as well. So if you look at our standard single row potato harvester, it will normally be running on a wheel track width of about 2.2 um, metres or thereabouts, 2.2 2 
somewhere around that, because they usually straddle the equivalent or not quite the equivalent of three rows. But the working width is 80 centimetres or 85, whatever the row width is it's picking up. So it's moving across the field at one row at a time. I see. Going, going a little bit across. That's right. Yeah. Um, carrot harvesters, yeah, I mean, the, the dominant self propelled carrot harvester is a tricycle. So it's got wheels everywhere. I think from memory, the, carrot, the tricycle carrot harvester has a footprint that's about, I think, about 80% of its total width. So it's only about 20% of the soil in a single pass is not being run over I by think, wheels. I think that answers question. <laughs> <laughs> and then you consider that it's only moving across the field at the rate of, once again, you know, I don't know, 50, 60, 80 centimetres, whatever the planning configuration will determine that. And um, so, you know. Full coverage. Full coverage. <laughs> <laughs> um, you've been an advocate of CTF for how many years? <laughs> <laughs> 30. I'm interested in your why you uh, what convinced you what's your story with it where did you come across it I was working in Queensland at the time in fact when at the time that I just finished university Dr Jeff Tolberg was working at Gatton College as it was at the time on some of the very early controlled traffic research work in the grain industry on the black soils, like the Darling Downs type black soils or Lockyer Valley black soils, <clears throat> and showing quite, you know, amazing improvements in energy use and soil structure and all that sort of thing. Remember, this is, this is um, 15 or so years pre-GPS guidance on tractors, so it was all done with marker arms and mechanical stuff. And it wasn't so long after that, it was the mid-1980s that I was working in the Burdick and Irrigation area. And we were looking at irrigated, furrow-irrigated grain crops on permanent beds, so under controlled traffic. Because our, our goal was reliable cropping twice a year, dry season, wet season cropping. And anybody who knows anything about that landscape, heavy clay soils, you only need 20 mil rain in November and you won't get on the paddock for two weeks. Right? Or if you get another 20 mil, then on and on it goes. And so we were trying to harvest crops and plant crops right at the beginning of the wet season. And we went into this location this was a research project but it was on a sort of a you know a small commercial scale it wasn't just little plots it was you know some hectares and um and we went into this situation and we were told that you would never do zero till grain in this soil you had to cultivate it and beat it and all the rest of it in six months we had zero till grain growing under controlled traffic and in a period of five seasons, we got five crops off our controlled traffic, whereas we got three crops off our conventional system because twice it just got flooded out with, you know, we just couldn't get on the land. And, I mean, that was... I already had a leaning, but that just convinced me just overnight <laughs> that it was a worthwhile thing. Sounds pretty compelling. Mm. 
And when I came to Tasmania in 1991, and I was my first introduction to the vegetable industry, and I looked at what went on in carrot harvest and potato harvest and everything, I thought, if ever there was an industry that needs controlled trapping, this is it. Mm. <laughs> but I've, I totally recognise the challenges of getting there. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Tell me... Harvest Moon doesn't do controlled traffic on their sloping paddocks. Mm-hmm. Is it impossible to do controlled traffic on sloping paddocks or, or more challenging than it's worth? What's well, it's definitely more challenging. Mm. Um, <clears throat> there are probably a few reasons around this. Definitely, to, to, to hark back to the grain industry experience, controlled traffic definitely exists on sloping paddocks, but... You need to keep in mind that sloping paddocks in the grain industry in the likes of central Queensland or Darling Downs or whatever are not... It's a different definition of slope <laughs> compared to what we talk about in northwest Tasmania. Yeah. <laughs> it's a general <laughs> slope. You know, we often... You know, we're probably not usually in those situations talking much over perhaps 7% or something like that. So slopes definitely create problems or challenges to be more positive about it. The slopes we have here are complex in that you know you don't tend to get just a nice uniform slope down the side of the hill where from one side of the paddock from top to bottom it's all the one slope. We tend to have quite convoluted landscapes. So lots of you know lots of inflection points in the landscape, whether the slope might be going from you know up to down or in the bottom of a hollow or over the top of a brow. So all of those things um, create issues because uh, there are a couple of things in dealing with slopes that we need to be very careful of. One is in the layout, we need to maintain positive drainage down the slope. Now that doesn't mean to say it has to be straight down the slope at right angles to the contour because you just can't do that always. Um, But it does need to be a situation where the water will drain down, basically down the wheel track, without eroding it. And that in itself is an issue, although I think it's less of an issue than we probably fear because infiltration in the untrafficked bed is so much better that we get less runoff anyway. That's not to say that it's not an issue. It does need addressing. The other issue is maintaining tracking on the compacted wheel track as soon as you've got a bit of a side slope it's very easy for your machinery to fall off the wheel track uh, and very hard to get back on again I can tell you from personal experience um, <clears throat> and that's that's an issue in the particularly in the vegetable industry because we have a desire to keep our wheel tracks as narrow as possible and so there's no leeway between the hard compacted track and the soft uncompacted crop soil and in some of our early work here um, up at Gawler um, John McKenna he said it's like trying to drive a steel wheel on railway tracks without the flange on it <laughs> and it is a bit like that so there are there are definitely challenges in the, in the sloping country there's no question about it and possibly one of the other reasons that um, that that Harvest Moon don't pursue controlled traffic on their slopes is that's where they grow a lot of their carrots. The carrot harvester is just, you know, (laughs) 
it's just not an option that under current technology to convert it yeah. to a controlled sure. traffic system. Besides Harvest Moon, are there many vegetable producers in Tasmania using controlled traffic? Well, uh, James Addison at Moriarty is under a um, seasonal controlled traffic system. They've spent a few years converting over to that and I think this must be their second or third season under seasonal controlled traffic. Michael Nichols at Sisters Creek is pretty much the same. Uh, Michael's, and Michael's been a long-term um, zero-till come reduced-till grower and doesn't grow quite the intensity of vegetables that many other people grow either because of his um, yeah, cereals and oil seeds and the like. But nonetheless, he's um, got, I think he might be one, one tillage implement short at the moment of having a complete controlled traffic system across all his, all his non-harvest operations. They're the ones that I'm most aware of. Uh, and I guess Houston's um, at Cambridge. Sure, there's, they're on those they're, they're on beds, beds and, sure and that sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. And um, I mean, because just because they're permanent doesn't mean to say you don't need any maintenance. You know, there can be quite a lot of work in maintaining wheel tracks and furrows and beds and what else have you. It's not like it's not like they're put there and you don't ever do anything to them again. Mm. But it's still a heck of a lot less work than running around ripping things up and bashing them down again. Yeah. I mean, one thing that Mark Cable talks about is just the benefit of the fixed irrigation, that the controlled traffic, which is just this whole sort of synergy <laughs> on top of... Yeah, that's right. The it, it, of exactly. And that's, and that's sometimes it gets a little hard um, to, to draw out the, the distinct benefits of controlled traffic mm. because you, it's, it's an element in the system. And the system... Yeah, there are synergies in the system that, that provide benefits. Yeah. If a grower is interested mm. in CTF, is there a place they can go, a person they can talk to for resources? <laughs> What's your advice for people who are looking into this? Um, look, there are, there are various resources on the internet, obviously. You can, you can go push in there. Um, I mean, obviously, I'm around, um, yeah, contactable. I, I'm not going to sit down with somebody and say you, you should do this or you should do that or whatever. I think the more important thing is getting the thought processes happening. Right? If you're going to go into controlled traffic, there, there's nothing more useful than a tape measure, a calculator and a piece of paper and pencil <coughs> and thinking. You know, I, I would rather see somebody think about it and, and work it out for a couple of years than just dive in and start cutting things up and shifting them around and then realise, oh, hang on, that wasn't what I meant to do. Um, that's not to say, of course, that if you go through all the thinking process, you're never going to make a mistake. But, you know, it's often said that, that the biggest change required for controlled traffic is not in the shed but in the mindset. And... And to an extent, that's true. I mean, I, I do revert back to the vegetable situation where, you know, the changes do need to be quite substantial. But certainly in other industries like the grain industry, you know, it's about, it's about getting the thinking around to, to what it is, you know, why, why would you want to do it? What's it going to take to do it? What am I going to get from doing it? 
because it is a, um, in a way, it's almost a rigid mindset to work in controlled traffic in that you, um, probably rigid mindset's not the right word to, right way to put it, but you, but you introduce some rigidity to the system because you're wanting to drive in the same place all the time. You don't just go ripping off across the paddock in any direction that you want to want to choose. And um, and yeah, and people who are dedicated controlled traffic farmers, I've, I've seen this on more than one place where you drive onto their farm and there's a big sign that says, this is a controlled traffic farm, do not drive off the roadways. Because they just don't want wheel traffic of any description over the soil. It's tough when you're agronomist, wouldn't it? They quite like driving Absolutely. Over the Absolutely. Well, that's what drones are for. <laughs> yeah, there you go.